1: Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast deluxe edition today, a four-man podcast. We're not even tagging in and tagging out. Four people at the same time. It's like a McLaughlin group on your podcast, talking draft and talking baseball here at BaseballAmerica.com and on your iTunes. Thanks so much for the download. And we're sponsored again by DeMarini Demo House. When it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarini just changed the game, introducing Demo House where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting, your demo time in the cage is free. Get the season started right and visit your nearest demo and visit your nearest demo house today. Locations and full details can be found at demo house. And uh, we're, I'm joined. Uh, I'm John Manuel. I'm joined by Nathan Rohde, Aaron Fit, Connor Glassy, Aaron. I'm going to like make you come up with the uh, McLaughlin Group nicknames as we think of those <laughs> as we come along. But we just wanted all four of us uh, to talk a little draft, a little draft roundtable. And we'll, we'll talk about the draft in total. And really kind of, We're really kicking off the uh, phase two, really, of Baseball America's draft coverage. We cover the draft all year, but now that we're all working on our regions, and this is four of the seven people working on regions for Baseball America's draft coverage, it gives you a little idea of the totality of our draft coverage. And uh, so we wanted to set up and try to have a little structure, actually, to the podcast. That'll be foreign to Aaron, I know, but we'll try to have a little structure <laughs> and talk about the, the things that we do know about this draft. I think we all knew coming into the year Bryce Harper looked like the top prospect, had to be proven that he wasn't going to be the top prospect. Instead, he's proven very <laughs> emphatically that he's the number one prospect with 23 Woodbat home runs in a junior college league. That's the number one thing that's come out for, for I think, for everybody. Let's start with you, Nathan, and work our way down to Connor. Uh, Nathan, what's the, what uh, about the, now that you're really digging into the mid-Atlantic and, and all the high schools really that you work on, here, at Baseball America, and we were tweeting on it. BA High School. What uh, what's been confirmed for you? What did you think coming into the year? That's been confirmed about the 2010 draft class.
2: Well, for me specifically, uh, last year, Virginia, Maryland, DC, Delaware, West Virginia, my area was uh, was really bad. Barren. <laughs> uh, it was very barren. The best guy uh, out of my region, of my states last year was Brandon Klein, and we all know that he's having a sensational freshman year at Virginia, and you know we'll be talking about him in a couple of years for the draft, but. He was the top guy, and he went in the sixth round. Uh, coming into the year, it looked like it was going to be a good year for my area, at least for Virginia. Uh, a lot of good players at the University of Virginia. Virginia Tech has a couple of guys. Uh, so it was just a matter of if those guys were going to come out and you know, not have draftitis. They were going to perform and show the tools that everyone thinks that they have, uh, and they've done that. Uh, Jared Parker you know, was a question coming into the year. He, had that, he slowed down last year, had the bad cape, got off to a slow start this year. It's really picked it up lately, you know. Guys love the body, the projection, the tools. You know, it's just a matter of putting it all together. Uh, you know, Austin Waits has shown that he can really barrel the ball up. You know, every time. And then you got two good pitchers in Jesse Hahn and Matthew Price. Uh, so it's definitely a, a better year for Virginia on the college level, at least. Uh, so coming in the uh, this year, that was what we were suspecting, and it's been confirmed so far.
1: Aaron, you've done the Northeast Force for years, and obviously spearhead our college baseball coverage. Uh, has there been, a, whether it's in the New England area or on the college side, what's been confirmed for you? Uh, maybe a suspicion you had coming into the year that's that's played out as expected?
3: Well, you know, I, I think, first of all, that uh, in college baseball this year, John, I think we thought that, that it would be a, a pitching-heavy crop, and it has been, but I don't think it has been to the degree that we expected. Yeah, some I mean, of the top
1: guys have backed up. Renato... Yeah.
3: Um, Alex Wimmers, you know, those guys have been banged up a little bit. Other guys who just haven't performed as well at the top. Jesse, uh, Hunt, believe, Jesse Hahn Jesse has banged been banged up. up a little bit yep. now. I mean, I still think it, there's certainly a lot more depth with arms, but all, right now you've got to look at guys like Christian Cologne, uh, Zach Cox, Michael Choice, Colburn Vidic. Some of these bats, uh, I think, have have stepped up to the point that I think they're they're in the same discussion with with the Pomeranzas and the Sales. I mean, they're. I think you're right. They're they're. You know, There's not a huge gap between the top pitchers and the top hitters like maybe we thought there
1: were. And some of those hitters, like Gary Brown, for example, he's really stepped forward. He yeah. has about as good a year as you could have hoped for out of him. That's a guy that, if if you had to, to make the college hitter class better than expected, some guys had to come forward with big years. You've got Monty Grandal, Micah Gibbs. I mean, it's not a great catcher crop, and Blake Forsyth has had a rough year, but he's actually on an 11-game hit streak, and double-ditches and home runs now for Tennessee. You've had even some seniors like a Matt Dendecker having a better year this year than you had last year. That's an interesting point I hadn't thought about. Uh, and Connor, you've got this massive, giant geographic region of the West, plus you really spearhead our draft coverage during the year doing draft dishes. What's been maybe confirmed for you, or if you want to take it in a different direction, has there been a surprise in the West? And you run with it however you want to. Nope. But uh, talk a little bit about the West, or, or you could go on the national scene too.
0: Yeah, what's really been confirmed to me is that uh, the high school pitching is really strong, also. I mean, the college pitching is strong, but the high school pitching is is just as strong, maybe maybe even stronger. I mean, more um, velocity, a lot of velocity. And, and even though some guys have have backed up,
1: <clears throat> we've Kevin got Kevin Gausman backed up a little bit. There, there have been but some guys, someone compensating for him though. You blogged the day in Colorado,
0: exactly. And there have been other guys who have stepped in. You know, we've got Michael Fultonevitch stepping in, Tyrell Jenkins. We've got some some helium high school arms as well. So Tyrell Jenkins sounds very interesting. <laughs> he does. Freak athlete. He really, really sounds interesting. I mean, you've got a, you know, really athletic, uh, rangy pitcher with some velocity and, and just a freak athlete, like Nathan just said.
1: We don't usually have pitchers listed among our best tools for best athlete. And that's a couple things that actually stood out to me. The first time for me, I, I've been so engrossed in my region doing the Southeast, um, where the thing that's really stood out to me is just uh, maybe I should have known it going in, but Georgia is just so deep, it's just ridiculous. And where where any rock you look under, there's another 2010 Georgia talent. There's pitching, there's hitting, there's football guys, there's guys used to play some basketball, there's two two sport guys, two way guys, there's pure hitters, it's all over the place. There's bloodlines at the yin-yang. I I just found out that Cam Bedrosian's middle name is Rock. (laughs) Cameron (laughs) Rock Bedrosian. I yeah. to be a big leaguer. you got to love these big leaguers with the names. I mean, I mean, like who would do that? Someone else would name their child Chrysostom, I suppose, with, with crazy names on their children. But uh, the other thing that I really have looked at from the national standpoint is putting the, the best tools together. You really notice just that uh velocities what – I think that's the strength of this draft. The college side yeah. has pretty good velocity too. you got Asher Woj, uh, Asher Wojcikowski, hitting 96 in the eighth inning of starts. Han Matt Harvey's up to 96 Zyka pretty Patrica. regularly. Patrikas jumped a jump-up guy at Indiana State. I mean, uh, I did not expect that the thing on the college side that would stand out would be maybe the velocity. I don't think of Anthony Renato as a velocity guy. Right. I don't think of Dick McGuire or, or <clears throat> Drew Pomeranz. These are the top three guys coming in and, and Chris Sale. The top four guys are all good. And even, Wimmers,
3: and even Wimmers. Wimmers is another one. That's
1: five, that's, that's five or six of the top guys who, to me, are 50 to 60 fastball guys in terms of velocity. But there's big velocity in some of these college arms, and not just out of the bullpen, too. And on the high school side, when you have a guy like Tyone, like Jameson Tyone is just a, that's a special arm. Yeah, I mean, a, he's been
0: dominant. I mean, he came in as the top pitcher, and he he stayed there. He basically was the high school pitcher version of, of Bryce, almost. Yeah, yeah, kind he of. He came in highly ranked, and he, and he held it all year. He was even a little bit better this spring, you know, pitching up to 99 miles an hour. And
1: uh, he's really good. <laughs> he's. That's, that's summing it up, he's really good uh, We have some questions on the Facebook page We're going to take a look at that in a minute uh, Facebook.com backslash Baseball America um, I'll just throw this out for whoever wants it I guess so maybe we could keep going around that, that order So we don't talk over each other um, But Nathan, is there a guy in your region? Uh, obviously I like to use the personal cheese ball term Have you got a cheese ball is, Have you got a guy that you like that you'd, Or you like maybe better than the consensus But you can't really put your finger on
2: why? Uh, I think uh, all the guys in my region uh, are are slated pretty well. Where I like them, you know, Jared Parker and Austin Waits being uh, you know guys first supplemental round, maybe slipping to the second, depending on you know how they finish up here. Uh, I like both those guys. I like I love athletes and I love speed. Um, you know, Austin Waits has a great ability to hit. He just squares the ball up, and that obviously leads to a lot of success. Uh, I like Jared Parker for his uh, athleticism. I know guys have questioned. The bat and the track record and the performance, but if you just look at the body, you know guys that are that athletic have a better chance of putting it together and figuring it out. Uh, You know, we're talking about if you talk about on the pro side right now, guys, you know, are wondering what Austin Jackson would do, you know, at the big league level. But he's he's a good athlete and he's figured it out because he's athletic. So I like guys like that. You know, are they risky? Yeah, but you know what? Everyone's risky, so let's go for someone that can really put it. To, has a chance to put it together. He's an athletic guy. Without even, he doesn't even have
1: like really loud tools, but he is athletic, mm-hmm. and he hits, and those two things have translated into some pretty instant success. Sure. Uh, is there is there a cheese ball guy for you, Aaron, in the Northeast? Uh, well, the guy that
3: I had to fight, tooth <laughs> and nail, I had to fight Jim Callis to get Sean Coyle into the third round range in our in our projections because he's five foot seven, five eight. You guys and are on the bet board on that now. We, we are on the bet board, I think. and anyone, any scout who, who wants to draft Sean Coyle and make a run at him is gonna have to fight tooth and nail too, because how are you gonna convince your scouting director uh, to give a seven figure deal to a guy who's five foot seven?
1: I do think Jim's point that he didn't I don't think he articulated it well. His point that a guy who's like Sean Coyle would not be considered a top three rounds guy in Texas, I think that's a fair point. Even then though a guy who's built kind of like him just came through here last week with Toledo. I didn't see him, but Will Rhymes is a little shrimpy guy, and Will Rhymes is not nearly as strong or explosive as yeah. Sean Coyle is described to be. Right. Will Rhymes is in AAA. Yep. Yeah,
3: and the, the thing that, the thing I love about Coyle is that you know he's he's yeah he's short, but he's really strong. He is he is explosive. He's fast twitch. He can fly. Uh, to me, he's a, he's a high school version of Zach McPhee. Who, nice. uh, who, you know, I, I'm very excited about at Arizona State. Talk a guy who's <laughs> A guy who's in the mix to be play, college player of the year as a sophomore. Uh, I mean, that guy's explosive also, the same kind of deal. Um, yeah, everyone I talk to in the Northeast says that Sean Coyle has a, has a real chance. Everyone thinks he's going to be a, a big league starting second baseman, an everyday guy, so uh, he's going to be a tough sign. He's a North Carolina commit. His brother plays uh, as a starting second baseman right now for the Tar Heels. Um, but, uh, you know, people like him a lot up there
1: that's a good cheese ball Con I don't know if you can top that for personal cheese ball although I I know you have some out West I'm not sure if there's one that you'd want to single out well
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna group three guys because they kind of get grouped together anyway but being from Seattle it's it's real easy to root for the three hitters from Seattle in Josh Solly drew Vettelson, and Ryan Brett um, they're gonna be the top three you know position players off the board in the Northwest and uh, they're all good hitters they all really love playing baseball, they're they're really fun to watch. So it's easy to root for those guys. Um, and I've you know heard some great things about them. Sally has I mean it's above average. One guy even said eighty raw power. Yeah. You know, so he he hits some bombs. Vettelson is, is more of a pure hitter, but has some power too, and then he's also a switch pitcher, so he's really an interesting a switch story. pitcher? I did not know that. Yes. that was awesome. Yeah, yeah he, he switched pitches but he's a better Prospect as a, as a outfielder, which says a lot, because he can throw 90 miles an hour on the right side.
1: Um, Nothing bad there. No, <laughs> yeah,
0: and I have a lot of options. Ryan Brett is kind of in the in the Sean Coyle mold, in, in that he's a undersized, you know, second baseman, maybe a center fielder, but he's really fast. Um, Scott's are saying that if he ends up at Gonzaga, he's going to be a freshman All-American. He could hit 450 and steal 50 bases in college. He, he's that kind of player. So.
1: I believe dynamic is one word that would describe that. He it.
3: is. He's a throwback. Well, I want, I want to hear your cheese ball, John. What do you got
1: for us? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I was actually searching in there for who I should choose as my cheese ball. I think I blogged him today. I, I, I love. Well, my cheese ball coming in was AJ KJ. <laughs> AJ Kirby Jones was my cheese ball at Tennessee Tech. But seeing as how he's a right right, six foot, two hundred thirty pound, below average run. First baseman. <laughs> Maybe I should choose someone else other than AJ KJ. But I think it's his teammate, Stephen Pryor. Because I just love the fact that he has this Ohio Valley Conference Joker. He's throwing 98 miles an hour. He did it in front of a lot of heat. Uh, in on Bryce Brent's last night, two nights ago. Uh, Middle Tennessee against Tennessee Tech. Pryor hit some 98s in front of GMs, assistant GMs, and scouting directors who were all in to see Brent. So... First off, kudos to Matt Braga, the coach at Tennessee Tech, for making sure that even though his team was losing, he used his closer in front of all that heat. He showcased him. He gave up a home run, fifth of the year in 30 innings, but he also got two strikeouts, 57 in 30 innings. So, yeah, it wasn't a safe situation, it wasn't a situation to use your closer in, but Matt Braga made his player some money. And I think that's college coaching has to you have to look out for your players no matter what. And one of those ways is to win games and one of those ways to make them some money in the draft and Matt Braga did that for Stephen Pryor, and Stephen Pryor ultimately did that for himself. It's the Baseball America podcast. John Manuel, Nathan Rohde, Aaron Fitt, and Connor Glassy on a deluxe edition. Questions on our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Baseball America. Brian Hayes asks, any lesser-known late-rising high school arms entering first-round or sub-first territory? Connor Glassy. doesn't have to be any mix for the West, but who's, who's entering that mix? Well, it's actually somebody
0: from from Kansas. It seems like every year there's kind of a pop up arm in Kansas. I mean, last year it was Garrett Gould, right? Um, but this year it's Ryan Stanek from Blue Valley High School in Stillwell, Kansas. He's six four, one eighty, and he's been ninety one to ninety six this year. Um, you know, with a good a good change up and a good delivery, that qualifies. So, that's yeah.
1: that's that's good.
0: Yeah, I'm
3: going to add somebody too. Uh, the top guy in my area is Robbie Aviles, the uh, high school right hander from New York State. Um, and you know he's not a pop up guy. I think he's been on the radar. Oh yeah. Uh, but but he, uh, the first guy in the northeast is always overdrafted every year. It, it happens, and he's going to be probably drafted a little higher than maybe his talent would dictate. But he uh, sees he's, the consensus is he's, he's probably a early second round to supplemental round talent. I think he's going to go in that sandwich round. A uh, guy can get up to ninety four miles an hour. Uh, he's got pretty good feel for secondary stuff, but he's got, he needs some polish, too. He's still obviously a work in progress, but uh, people you know love those, those fresh arms in the Northeast that you can really dream on, and he's got a big athletic uh, frame, which, which, which helps.
1: Definitely came up a couple of times in, in calls in Florida. When, and there are a lot of projectable bodies in Florida, but I threw that out to a couple of scouts, and they both, if you didn't like it, you fell right back at me, and they did. And they both said, you know, you keep talking about projection – how much projection is there on a kid in Florida? And just both said, like, I know it's a body. These guys throw all the time. This is who they are. Mm-hmm. Talking about Karsten Whitson. You're talking mm-hmm. about AJ Cole. you talking about Luke Jackson. You're talking about Barbado, You're talking about a lot of these guys in the state of Florida. And there are a lot of nice arms on the high school side. Uh, Jimmy Hodgkin. I forget the other left hander's name because I'm under too much heavy sedation. But Gibson. there's so many. That's the guy. There's so many. Yeah, Booby Gibson, Daniel Gibson. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. There's so many guys. Um, but there's not a lot of projection on these guys. They might have big bodies. They might have the arms, but they're in Florida, and it's very different. And then the guy just said, it's very different when we were talking about a, North, a northeast guy. Maybe a guy like a Dave Filak who That's a great I feel bad about missing out on Dave Filak in our preseason small college uh prospect list. So we, we should have had Dave Filak on there. And he even came back from an injury here. And this guy at SUNY Cortland? Uh, no, he's at Oneonta State. Oneonta, okay. Okay. Or like...
0: Boltonevich in Chicago. Great, and he was like, example. you know, the, in the Triple circuit, he was eighty eight to ninety one, and then all of a sudden, the spring it's ninety six. You know, he worked worked his butt off this this winter to get stronger, and uh, you know, he does a lot of long tossing. And, well, don't and all get of a sudden strong. he's ninety six. <laughs> yeah, and Please. you know, and
3: you know, Filak is really interesting too. You mentioned him uh, because he's only pitched uh, for a couple of years. I mean, he showed up at, at, um, oh, yeah. at Indiana State as a catcher who really hadn't pitched before. And uh, the coach saw something in him and, and put him on the mound. And, uh, you know, there's, again, you can really dream on this guy. He's big and physical, um, and he's only pitched for two years, really.
1: He yeah, actually kind of reminds me, your report reminded me a little bit of Patty Patty Buke Buke last year, alias Ryan Buke, who yeah. would really flash you that great stuff yep. at Monmouth, including, like, really, if you saw him good, you saw sevens. Yeah. You saw seven fastballs di- and seven. The good. difference is
3: this guy's a lot more consistent this year. Even, even battling tendonitis, he hadn't come back quite as as, as explosive as he was really early in the year. Uh, But he has been – Buke really fell off last year at at the end of the spring, and this guy has maintained it better. He made himself, I think, some money in his last outing last week.
1: I just really wanted to say patty-patty-buke-buke. It was (laughs) was fun to say. Uh, Nathan, we have a question for you on the Facebook page. Robert Z wants to ask, who do you see the Tigers drafting with their two sub-picks? Do you see them going over slot on both of them since they will not be spending record-setting money on their first-round pick this year? And we actually talked about this. We don't want to get into too much of team stuff, but Nathan, you're a Tigers fan. We also talked about the fact that the Tigers, while they've had some real hits at the top of drafts, they also, their track record for drafting hitters this decade, not so great. I mean, Cam Maben hasn't lived up to potential yet. They really hit more on the pitchers, the power arms of Verlanders, or Ryan Perry, these kind of guys, um, than they have on some of the hitters, the Ronnie Borkwins and uh, the Jeff Larishes, and some of those guys who. Haven't been what they thought they were. Uh, it's almost like the top, the higher the pick, the less successful their hitters have been. They've had more successful later guys. Who, would, as a Tiger fan, who would you love the, for them to take? You know, that's
2: one thing I've agonized over this spring. Is, you know they don't have that first round pick where you can really get a good look at who's going to be available. The supplemental round. You know, anybody 15 through 40 or 50 on our list could be available because a guy slides because of signability or somebody jumps up late or you take a chance on a guy that might have been hurt. You know, Connor earlier in the year said, Nathan, you know, your your team's really looking for a Tanner Shepherds-type pick, you know, somebody that guys aren't so sure about the the medical on, but, you know, they take the shot in the supplemental round. And he's you know, dealing in triple a And a, he's yeah. blowing smoke big time. So it, I really haven't gotten a good feel for – what to have around here but you know I I heard Garen Chikini would would be great that kid can flat out hit he's a great makeup guy can hire his uh, mom
1: as a part time uh, BP thrower no she
2: throws BP man and she throws seeds (laughs) Uh, so Garen Chikini would be great I would jump up and down if they had that pick another guy that I heard mentioned recently was Peter Tago I think that kind of actually fits the mold of the Tigers. He's, he's a right-handed power pitcher, not you know as much of a power pitcher as some of the other guys we're talking about in More this draft. More fluid
1: guy. But, but he's very guy. fluid,
2: exactly, and he's gotten very physical lately, kind of grown into his body, and we've got him slotted in that supplemental round area. So I'd love that pick too. So, you know, David Chad, if you're listening, make <laughs> me happy. <laughs> you know, I, the, the other name that pops in my mind
3: hearing you hear talk about this is, is uh, James Paxton. To, to, me, to me he's the he's the, the Shepherd's card. type guy in this draft. The wild card, you know, he's coming out of an indie ball, so it's an easy comparison to make. But I mean this is like Shepherds, this is a guy who has shown explosive stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean if you're gonna if that's gonna be your first pick in the supplemental round and you're the Tigers and you've proven that you like to take gambles on high yes. upside guys like Turner that's a Maynard, great take. and take. Paxon's the guy that leaps out to me. And even as that's a, a good fourth,
1: point, even as a fourth year guy, he's still he was he was young for last year's draft. He was drafted as a twenty year old last year as a junior He'll be 21 this year, so it's not taking. It's not like you're drafting Jordy Cabrera, where everybody in Florida says, well, you know he's going to be 20 in September. It's like, yes, yeah, so I've been told. <laughs> but yeah, Jace Paxton, to put that in perspective, Jace Paxton is basically like a year older as a fourth-year college player than Jordy Cabrera is as a high school senior. Yeah, wow. And Cabrera is like two and a half years older than Bryce Harper, your Juco freshman, which is just the whole thing screwy. You know, they don't check
0: IDs in the batter's box. That's exactly That's, <laughs> what,
1: that's, that's outstanding. Uh, best of Tim Wilkin impersonation of the day. Uh, it's the Baseball America podcast. We're obviously having a good time talking draft. Well, we can, we can wrap up talking a little bit about Bryce Harper, I think, actually. Nathan, you interviewed him this issue for an exclusive uh, for us at BaseballAmerica.com. We've talked to tons of people about him. I mean, Aaron, you've done a uh, hit with USA Baseball about him on their Golden Spikes Minute, I mean, are any of us, uh, I mean, I've covered the draft off and on. I mean, I didn't cover a lot of the draft when I first got here. But 1997 was really the first draft I did get involved with. And I don't think I've seen anything like it in terms of performance, in terms of a guy that young doing it with wood bats and just dominating so much. What was the old record in the the swag? The old home run record was 12. He has 23. Metal bats. That was 12 with metal. He has 23 with wood. I mean, I know the competition level is not super, but. But it's better than Las Vegas high school competition. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I've. I mean, I, well, maybe I'll just phrase it this way Harper or Strasburg, of the last two crazy hype guys, who would you take, Nathan Rohde? Oof, man. You know, that's a tough one. I've seen Harper Wrong. play. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've seen Harper play a ton. Uh, you know, I saw him at Power Showcase over a year ago and then, you know, tracked him all the way till now. But, you know, I think. I think I have to take Strasburg because, you know, he's he's got that huge fastball that you don't see. I mean, we see velocity like that, but not his. Is, you see the best velocity in the major leagues that you see among some of these power right-handers. His seems like it's just a tick above, which you're not going to find a lot of. And then I think it's, I mean, with injuries, it's easy for pitchers not to live up to hype. But with hitters, because of playing every day and things like that, I think, um, you know, they're – Prone, as prone to, or if not more, to fail or not live up to the expectations. Injuries, I think, are an outside force that you know, just got to take. Well, catchers, but, I think the catcher it,
1: injury risk is higher than you average position player. Clearly, true,
2: absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, with shoulders and elbows and this and that with pitchers, obviously that's a risk, but, you know, with Strasburg, i take him because I don't think Harper's going to be very good, but the hype that's put out there on him, I honestly think the chances of him living up to that are very slim, just because it's so high. Uh, but of those two, I probably take Strasburg just because of the the rare velocity you see in him.
1: Our own scouting report initially was comparing him with Mantle and Mays. I mean, let's just compare him <laughs> with, let's compare him with current really good major league players. Mauer, Hamilton, Weeters. Th- you know, there's some very recent comps, and you know, uh, I mean, Aaron, I think I know which way you'd lean when you yeah. lean leaning the Strasburg Yeah, direction. it's it's Strasburg. For me, I mean, it's
3: just he's a slam dunk. As a, as a high upside slam dunk, you know, I mean, you don't find those. I, I thought Brian Mattis was a high upside slam dunk, but not as much upside as Strasburg. Um, Harper, there's risk. I mean, there's, there's lots and lots and lots of upside, but there's risk. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what I like is I'd like to have both, and I think there's an organization <laughs> that's going to have both. That's true. That's
1: pretty amazing. Strasburg, Harper, Battery, uh, Nick Conner, is there somebody you'd take out of those two? Uh, if you had a push came to shove,
0: Strasburg well, yeah, I, I would take Strasburg too. I mean, I'm going to make it unanimous, but you keep yeah. <laughs> elaborate on why. Um, well, well, Nathan, Nathan nailed it, and I think it's, I think it's actually really close. I don't think it's, you know, Strasburg is that much ahead. You're both, um, <laughs> you know, premium, premium talents. A lot of big, um, yeah, um, a lot of sevens and
1: eights here. Yeah, you know?
0: but the 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 thing about Harper, is that, with his swing right now, you know, scouts do think he is going to strike out. And, you know, I've been talking to scouts out there for for the Four Corners coverage and and stuff like that, and they think he's the transition is not going to be easy for him, you know. And, you know, we don't know how he's going to handle failure yet because he hasn't failed. That's correct. Uh, They thought, you know, I think think people thought that that was going to happen this year, and you were going to get a look at how he handles adversity um, and how he deals with the failure that baseball can sometimes present, but it just didn't happen. So, you know, betting against him may be foolish. He might go out there and do what he's been doing his his whole life, and you know, adjust and and dominate like he
1: has. He's going to carry this part of the podcast on a flash drive in his uh, pocket, <laughs> arm, like you know, on his own little like special iPod shuffle, just BA podcast edition. Fire himself up every morning about uh, I'm better than Strasburg. Yeah, <laughs> but hello, you know, like, you, know you, you know, there there is
0: a chance that he he could fail, and and you know. Until you see how a player deals with that, you just don't know, and um, it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, it's it's a it's a difficult situation. I almost feel bad for him a little bit because the expectations are so high, and
1: Impossible it's going it, to be. It is right, exactly. live up to. It's I mean, LeBron the, if he li- hits, LeBron
3: lived up to it. I mean, that's he? That's, that's what he, that's what Harper's got to be. No championships. Yeah, no championships. You're
2: but so you guess your yeah. C's. And the one thing I want to bring up that. Connor is kinda also getting to is he, he hasn't failed. If you look at the season on a whole, he has not failed. Uh which is a pretty amazing considering, you know, he's seventeen years old, should be a high mm-hmm. school junior, this and that. But one thing that, you know, all of us have been talking about lately because of the reports out there about makeup and the thing I think he failed on a very small scale. Because he talked to me about it, and if you read the Q&A that I had with him, he talked a little bit about it. that first weekend against Chipola. He was one for 16, one for 15, and he said to himself, man, do I really belong here? You know, is this what I should be doing? And then we talk about makeup, and he's coachable because we know he went into the office with Coach Chambers, and he talked to his dad, and he you know, calmed himself down, and he looked at video. He changed his swing, goes out the next day, and hits a home run. Mm-hmm. So, he's he, the, on a very tiny scale. He's failed a little bit, which I think will translate, you know, down the road. He's coachable. He wants to be better. He doesn't think everything's a gift to him. Right. He wants to be the best out there, and I think that will translate in the pro game. If he fails at the beginning, I can see that happening, but I think I can also
1: see him easily, semi-easily, overcoming it. Yeah, I talked to uh, Matt White, the uh, former raised farmhand who got $10 million back in 1996 and is now a volunteer assistant coach at Georgia Tech. It really is not that depressing <laughs> as it sounds. But um, he had injury issues. That was a tremendous interview. I'm looking forward to writing that column. But uh, Matt, yeah, he he made the interview. But He talked about uh, coaching Bryce Harper with USA you know, USA eighteen and 1600 team. I guess actually fourteen hundred and wasn't it? Or was a two year Whatever. Six twi- years. He coached him twice with Team USA. And uh, and he did pull him aside at one point. So, you know, Matt White really said, you know, I can't imagine what the hype level would have been for me in the internet age. How would I have gotten torn to shreds? This guy's got so much attention, and he does think that's an issue that he's gonna have to deal with. But uh, he also talked about one of the games in that uh, tournament in Venezuela against Cuba, where Harper had to pitch against Cuba in an extra inning situation, so it's that international extra-inning crazy rules where they put two runners on and, you know, the first play is a bunt and Harper fields it and throws it away. There's immediate, uh, you know, adversity. You're not a pitcher for this team. Your job is to catch, and you're catching guys like Tyone and Pfeiffer, the 2011 out of Tennessee with that wicked break and stuff. And, you know, it's tough enough to receive those guys, but you're having to get on the mound with a lead in extra-innings with a game on the line and basically a gold medal. And the first thing you do is throw a bunt away, but that he was able to settle down. And I think he actually struck out the next two guys and got out of the inning. But Matt's point was that whenever um, Harper played... Whenever Harper... And the makeup thing that you do have to wonder about is he does like to show off. I don't think there's any question that he knows how good he is. And he likes to throw. And he likes to, you know, hit ridiculous home runs. And he will pimp it every once in a while when he hits one. He's not... Uh, modest about that that's stuff. That's not unique to Harper. Everybody anybody would think tools. love to show off. And that's, what, that's where I was headed. He does <laughs> like that. That's not unique to him. That's the knock. I think mean, that's a legitimate knock, but I do think it's, it's, it's not a unique knock, like you said. But when he, And when he does try to show off is when he speeds the game up himself. The game doesn't speed up on him. He speeds up the game because he's that good. And he tries to do too much. He reaches to make the, make the spectacular play. So Matt Weiss, one of the things he told him was, if you just play the game, your just regular speed is spectacular. You don't have to try to be spectacular. You are spectacular. You don't try hard. It's like trying to hit a home run. Maybe you won't hit a home run. If you don't try to be spectacular, you're so your tools are so special, you will be spectacular. I thought that was a a neat piece of advice. Like you know, I don't know if that's one of the parts that clicked for him, but I think uh, I think Matt White is a guy who has some pretty good perspective on it, um, having had so much expected of him, and then having failed to reach that. You know, the guy's that are going to be a college baseball coach now. Uh, you know, he's just out of high school, and he's 32, 31 years old. So um, I don't think Bryce Harper's going to be in that position when he's 31, 32 years old. I think he's going uh, he to be a free agent, or he's going to be catching Steven Strasburg still on another championship nationals team. <laughs> and my brother will not let me hear the end of it as a Nats ticket holder. So great podcast there, guys. Any, any final notes you guys want to make on – the twenty ten draft class. I have
3: one more I actually have one more thing I want to throw out there very quickly. I don't want to turn it into a long discussion, but you mentioned catching Steven Strasburg. I'm curious, do you guys think he will be a catcher in the big leagues or do you see his future? Because I see his future in right field personally.
2: I think if the Nationals wanted to be patient enough and they weren't in a position to compete, um, you know, like we always talk about, you know, holding guys back like in the minor leagues, because the team's not competing right now, so why, let's let him get his seasoning. I think if the Nationals uh, weren't in a a position to compete and were patient with him, that he can catch at the Major League level. But, I think with how much they want to compete and how long they have Strasburg for before he takes, you know, off to another team in free agency, unless he falls in love with Washington and wants to stick around and sign an extension, but... I think he moves to right field. I think he can catch in the big leagues, but I think because of his bat and how soon the Nationals are going to want to compete and how quickly he'll move by not catching that he'll end up in right field. But I do think that he could catch in the big leagues. I think he could be a right fielder, but if he ends up in right field, I think you know maybe he's the backup catcher as well or huh. maybe an emergency catcher because you know he's talented back there. But I think in the in the
0: long run you put him in right field cuz the bat's so good, you don't want to wear him down. What do you got there, uh, Connor? I, I think he'll be a catcher. Actually, I think um, he just had so much more value, and it, I don't think the Nationals. I mean, the Nationals are going to be in a hurry to get him there because they're going to want want to show off, you know, their their prize get. But I think, you know, talent wise, he like you said, he does have the tools to be there. I mean, obviously the arm strength is is huge, but the things he needs to work on are mechanical, and I think he, he can do all those things and, and make the adjustments. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he'll be a catcher.
1: I think he's an early career catcher. I think that the Nationals just get so much more value out of him that way. Maybe if he moves on to another club eventually, then he moves to another position. But when, you've inv- when you're going to invest like they've invested in him, you're going to protect your investment, you're going to try to maximize your investment. So I think he catches short-term. But one caveat there is if the bat is so good, if he gets the pro ball and starts obliterating pitches with that unbelievably violent and explosive swing like he's done at the amateur level. And if, he, if that power production keeps up, you won't be able to keep him in the minor league, so I think he actually determines it. If he has any struggles offensively, a little bit, or just doesn't, you know, doesn't hit the ground just completely running, I think he will remain behind the plate. But if he hits the ground running and he's just so offensive that you can't hold him back too far, and Derek Norris is there, and you like Derek Norris in that organization, I think the Nationals could be pragmatic about it. I think that I think they really want to get their value out of him. I do think he's good enough defensively. Just talking to a couple of guys I've talked to. Uh, you know, maybe long-term, when you look at his whole career, it'll be like Ernie Banks, you know, played more games at first than he did at short. I think a whole total of his career, he'll play more games in the outfield than he'll play behind the plate. I think that you're going to think of him first as a catcher. And you know, it's like I still think of A-Rod as a shortstop. You know, he was good enough to play shortstop. He just moved to third. I, you know, I think this is going to be uh, somewhat similar. I'm not putting him at A-Rod's level, but I think it is. he has a chance to be that kind of player. A player who's that who's the best player in the game and maybe isn't the best love player in the game. Uh, I, think that, I think that's also, there's that kind of potential there too. We're going to wrap on that note. Cause I think that's poignant. So, <laughs> we'll wrap with that. Email us at podcast at baseballamerica.com If you have questions for the podcast or you can of course set us up, uh, hit us up on the Facebook page. We also want to remind you that when it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarini just changed the game. Introducing demo house where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy, because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or for talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free, get the season started right, and visit your nearest demo house today. Locations and full details can be found at dmarie.com backslash demo house for Nathan Rohde, Aaron Fitt, Connor Glassie. I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the next Baseball American Podcast. So long, everybody.